0: Hello, it's our weekly meetup. Grab yourself a chair, pull it in, settle yourself. Feel free to share the table because this is Table Conversation and I am Craig's Story. So come on then, how has the week been? as always I hope you've had a good one I've had another busy one and I'm going to be talking a little bit about that on the podcast today because I'm are be talking about saying no I got rather excited and I'm saying yes to everyone and to the the opening of an envelope I would be there because well because we can now <laughs> so, yeah I'm going to be talking about saying no in a little bit Something I have been saying no to for a while, and I continue to say no to, and I encourage you to say no to at the same time, is to fear. And things are looking pretty good here in the UK at the moment. And Professor Van Tam, one of the government professors, actually said this week that we're probably seeing the lowest levels of COVID we will ever see. Um, the deaths are still there. They're, I mean, when you put them into perspective, though, with the average, I think, weekly average is 22 deaths related to COVID, well related to someone having a positive test of COVID within the last 28 days, um, the the average is 22 and you put that into context where we we lose 1,500 people to all causes every day in the UK, 22 out of 1,500 kind of puts it into context of the level of death that is related to having a positive COVID test within the last 28 days and we can't lose sight of that because I'm not saying that 22 or 1,500 lives every day I don't have sympathy or my heart doesn't go out to anyone that's grieving a loss because it, it does anyone that knows me will tell you that I'm, I'm an empathetic person and yeah so you, you put that into context things are looking pretty good things are opening up infection rates are low vaccine take-up is quite high and the the scientists the, the government scientists are telling us whatever your viewpoint on that is that lockdowns and combined with the successful vaccine rollout are creating this scenario where we're in a much better position than we were and it has been pleasing to i've tracked some of the front pages this week of newspapers and they have been reporting on on what's been said and the fact that professor van tam has also said that two fully vaccinated people should be perfectly safe to hug each other and spend time within a room so that it's just that it's not allowed which just shows it for the fast that it is but he he's come out and said that now so it's things are out there and there seems to be this increase of common sense I don't know how long that will last for but hold off a minute because the government and the a lot of the the tv news channels and some of the newspapers don't want you to or seem don't seem to want us to to feel any any relax or to to let go of some of that fear because It's like fear is being pumped back at us from a different angle and a different viewpoint now. And you know what I'm talking about. And the reports from India are very distressing when you watch them or you see anything that's happening out there. And especially for many people and even some of my friends that have family and or friends living there. But really, should that situation that's happening in India be impacting on how we manage the pandemic here in the UK and the yeah somehow India's double mutant is going to be the predicting triple mutant variants there was a Brazil variant and um, the third wave from Europe was going to be washing up on our shores were the words that they used and it's that continued message from not only the government but also the media that are pumping this out there and I, I just say no to it and um, variants are not extraordinary when it comes to COVID or to any other virus and they're not necessarily cause for an alarm and that's not me saying that because i don't know i'm not a scientist i'm not an epidemiologist but when you follow them on instagram twitter wherever you get your information when you read different viewpoints and opinions a lot of them are on that same line that variants aren't that alarming and the common flu each year has different variants but we we never, we until they know the impact of those variants, they don't really publish that much about them. But as soon as any kind of variant of COVID comes around, it's like red lights, front page news, breaking news. Please be scared. And I don't think I'm on my own when I say we've had enough of this. Um, I saw a report this week that Sky News has been operating at a £40 million loss per year. And it's no surprise because you cannot peddle this kind of fear and this kind of scaremongering that a lot of the news organizations are doing and expect people to carry on watching it i spoke about this on social media there's a reason why they put it out there just to remind everyone or anyone that hasn't or to let you know if you haven't seen when i've spoken about the the media before and how it works is that the the advertisers fund the whole thing because if they've got Uh, I don't know 100,000 people watching a news bulletin that'll be 100,000 people watching an advertisement and so they'll give that money to the organization and it'll pay for for them to be there and to make a profit so if people turn off the advertisers won't be there and we don't know but it would be interesting if BBC News was a profit-making organization to see whether they would be operating at a loss if they weren't funded in the unique way that they are we also know that newspapers have been losing money over the past few years and I kind of get it because if you're not speaking to your audience or you're constantly poking a stick at your audience trying to scare them and still fearing them, then people are going to turn off at some point and we've had it for over a year now and it's been pretty constant and it's like I said we've already talked about the Brazil variant, the Kent variant, now the double mutant India variant. There's going to be a triple mutant variant at some stage and the scientists are predicting that but all of the variants that we've got so uptight and so angsty and so fearful about haven't really materialized to anything more than the original COVID outbreak. So it's, for me, I think it's just being used to continue this level of fear because it speaks to some people's parts of the brain where they feel that they need to know all the information. And I don't know, when you read between the lines, even like I said in in the India story this week, my heart goes out to to India and I think I'm not alone in that but you watch something like that on the the news and you see those images you see people dying and how can you not you just feel so helpless and that's not a nice feeling to have and you feel more scared for your own life and your own family and friends that are here and really having that helpless feeling and living in fear you're not helping anyone in India and you're not helping yourself because action and should come from a place of love and should come from a good feeling. You can only do things that are better for the world when you're feeling in a good place yourself. That's what I believe anyway. And you've got to get to that point where I don't know whoever your God is, if you, you pray to the universe, if you pray to whoever your, your God is, a creator, or if you believe in something bigger than what we are then i think it has to come from a place of love and if you want to do anything like aid work and and send things out to india or donate it has to come from a, a feeling a good feeling place and when you've got that those images in front of you when you feel that you can't do anything then that holds you back from doing any of that type of stuff as well in my experience anyway and the reality is yeah the death rate has been rising in india Uh, quite rapidly in the recent weeks but you have to put that into context for the population as well because normally in India there would be 27,000 deaths per day from all causes so when you times that by what we're used to experiencing here in the UK uh, it, it puts it into perspective and a little bit more context it's not a great picture don't get me wrong. I'm not saying oh it's all okay and it's all we should all forget about it. We India is our backyard, isn't it? We we live on the same planet. And it's not nice to see other humans suffering, um, but we like I said, we have to put it into some kind of perspective that we can, because it's the the news channels and some virtue signaling which I learned the meaning of that like the moral high ground of some of the the celebrities out there that are telling us that we should be looking to India and comparing it directly to what we're experiencing in the UK to reflect how we come out of this pandemic here I think is completely wrong because when you do compare it and you compare it figures for figures um, it's it 's a different story, and they 're not doing that they 're not giving everyone all of the facts and all of the information so if you actually compare it to the u k we 've had much higher daily deaths per million than has been so far seen in india we 've had it actually worse here, so luckily for us living here and we we didn 't choose where we were born, and neither did those poor people. In India for for any country it's a huge challenge when you've got the infection rates rising and you've got the, the death rates rising and it's especially more challenging for countries with um, low and middle incomes because the, the health services aren't the same and we, we've been very lucky that we have that health service here and it varies around the country of India um, quite widely too in different areas of where the cases are, are rising there is a must-read um, summary of the situation in India by Professor Ramesh Thakur. He's the former Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations, and it gives a much better perspective and context than I can here. Um, if you search that, you'll you'll find that. But interesting that. Um, he states that the the crux of the problem in India is not the proportion of cases and deaths from COVID, rather it's a lack of a fit-for-purpose public health infrastructure and medical supplies of equipment and drugs. And furthermore, um, government government neglect of public health while prioritising vanity projects like building temples and statues. And um, put bluntly, poverty is the world's biggest killer. And um, a strong economy... Is not an optional luxury, but an essential requirement for good health. And when I talk about feeling helpless, we elect people, we elect a government to make decisions and decisions about what aid our country gives as a whole. And I see that we we have sent support and aid out to India. It's probably a drop in the ocean, but that if we can, we should, and we should do more. I know everyone has different philosophies about this kind of stuff, so I'm sure you've got your opinions and your views on it too. But my heart goes out to India. I pray and like I said it's not to say that I don't have feelings and I, my like I said I, I I do pray for India and yeah it's just that I'm not going to allow a situation that's happening there to make me feel differently about how I'm living my life here because like I said when it's you've got to notice how it's making you feel and feeling bad about it and sitting worrying about something and looking at those pictures that are rolling around the news isn't going to help anyone in India and it's certainly not going to help you take action or put those that good stuff out there that's going to help people and yeah I'm, I'm, I've said it already but I'm a bit sick of these virtue signaling celebrities as well that probably live in million pound houses in Kensington and nice areas of london that um earning millions of pounds each year and they're poking the stick at us and i think they forget sometimes that as fans or as viewers of tv shows we actually do pay their wages we are their customer and this this stick poking i really don't like and yeah it makes me unfollow and delete people also another group of people that are getting on my nerves are tv doctors and these people that sit on these morning shows, they sit on giving advice, they sit on the panel shows, giving their running commentary of what's happening um, with the the COVID situation in the country. And I don't know, one of them this week I read has become the face of Furniture Village. I'm like, is this just a vanity project? When are these people actually practicing medicine and doing their research for what they're, they're telling us about on the TV? I just think that I wouldn't be trusting any kind of doctor that sits on a Good Morning Show. Old Doctor Hillary on Good Morning Britain—I definitely wouldn't. You wouldn't trust him around your wife anyway, after his history. But yeah, I don't. I I I don't trust what they have to say a lot of the times. I think a lot of it again is scaremongering and fear peddling purely and simply because they know when this is over that they won't be sitting five days a week in a tv studio they'll be back in a a surgery or a hospital earning their normal wage and not getting paid thousands of pounds for their opinions on morning shows so yeah this week they've really got on my nerves as well there you go (laughs) that's my rant that's my moan but like I said, any, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Anytime you're watching or reading things about what's going on, question it. Look for more detail around it. Try and find some balanced reporting. Speak to your, your friends or anyone that you've got in a situation that like this situation. I spoke to one of my friends whose who's cultural background is Indian. So I could find out what's... And it was interesting to hear that lockdowns aren't an option there because of the way that it operates in terms of economy that many of the population are paid a daily wage so it's a choice between dying of covid or dying of hunger um also the, a lot of homes aren't insulated like we are with windows doors windows open and things spread so i i think it's good to sort of get a whole view picture and notice ultimately how you're feeling when you're watching these kind of news reports how is it making me feel and if it's not making you feel of a place of where you can take good action or you can you're feeling good then you have to start to question about why you're watching it and what you what's the benefit to the world of you watching this and to those people that you're watching suffering it's a bit like watching a a car crash and then not wanting to get into your own car because you you're fearing that that happening and it's, it's very easy for, like I said, to make these comparisons because it, we're human and we do watch other people's experiences. And I think that the, you have to do, if you, you can only do like for like comparison, you can't compare country to country of how, how things have been handled. And not surprisingly, the way that some of our media operates here, that they haven't been looking to some of the su- success stories. They haven't been looking towards florida in the states where they've been open for business texas in the states where they've been open for business looking at success stories around the world of how things are going really well for some countries it's always towards where things are at the very worst they can be that they focus their cameras on i know many people around the uk and some of my friends maybe some someone out there listening today does have family friends in india that they are really concerned and worried about so my heart goes out to you I'm sending you lots of love as I am to India at the moment and to anyone else who's suffering any kind of loss or illness so take care of yourselves and reject that fear say no to it because that's not going to help anyone say no to fear that's the first thing we're saying no to So being released and going out into the world, there's more invites coming along, isn't there? We're all gearing up, ready to the next stage of our our lockdown being released on the 17th of May where we can go out inside of the pubs and restaurants to eat and we can gather with more people outside of our household and that means that more invites are coming along to to get sociable and I'm overburning myself because I'm saying yes to everyone and I find it really hard to say no. So this week it's given me the chance to sort of reflect a little bit and think about why do I find it so difficult to say no? I'm one of those people that has to make up a really random excuse to say no to something and I remember having a conversation, um, I was back in Dublin working in December and I'm not sure if Louise will be listening but Louise of Floodlight Coaching, you'll find her on Instagram, I was having a conversation, I don't know whether she even remembers this conversation, probably not because I was talking about saying um, no to one of my friends and my friend wanted to plan a holiday away and I was talking about, oh, I just have to give a random reason, I can't get this date. doing. And she just said, you could just say no, you don't want to do it. And it is. it sounds so simple, but we do overcomplicate it. Well, I certainly do because I find saying no quite difficult. And when you look back at life from growing up as a child, we associate no with a negative don't we because when we we're growing up or as ch- toddlers when we're learning to walk we're learning to talk and our, our parents uh, when when we do things and being a child we're bound to break things we're bound to misbehave do things that we're enjoying but the rest of the world isn't and when we're told no we equate that as a negative because we're having to stop what we're doing even if we are enjoying it parents then going on to teachers grandparents people in our lives well, they all expected some level of obedience from us. And if we didn't conform to it, it was a, a no or a shut up. "Fully enough, shut up was one of the ones I heard more often than any others. And we've probably all heard at some stage in our lives, no means no. So we have this negative connotation of what no actually means. And it means that often pleasure was going away. So see, when we grow up, we're reluctant to say no to others because we know that we had a difficult time hearing no we just end up becoming people pleasers. So we grow up with this idea that saying no to authority is wrong. So if you're bad, it's not good. And that happens quite early on in our lives. And we, we can't disagree with our teachers, the police, our bosses. And soon enough, the whole world is a place of complacency and just accepting things how they are. And yeah, so we become people pleasers deep down within our brains we've got that little area that we, we keep things and it's the idea isn't it that reminds us that we shouldn't upset people and if you make people happy then you get rewarded and also dependent on what career you end up in if you end up in a customer service career for example then people pleasing means that you have an easy life because you're, <laughs> you're pleasing everyone else and when they're pleased they leave you alone and they're happy customers so it, that can spill over into your personal world as well I do find saying no quite uncomfortable but sometimes have you ever got to that point where the pain of saying yes is much stronger than saying no and that creates like a little shift in in your head then doesn't it so but they are very rare cases so you you slip in and out of them and the, the next step after that you're saying yes the next morning to 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 stop the risk of inflicting pain on people by saying no Saying yes to everything can be overwhelming. I find sometimes that I, I get myself so busy and I take on a lot of things that aren't that important to me. And although they might be critical to other people, um, we're under no obligation to, to take anything on. And you can also take on things onto your shoulder and you're putting your time and energy and you're working towards someone else's vision of what they want out of their lives. And you're losing control of your own life by saying yes to everything. And I know it only too well. I could have ended up going a weekend away on a holiday that I really didn't want to go the place I'd already been to and I'd spent money which had impacted how I was going to live for the rest of that month and... Yeah, I would have ended up being in a place that, like I said, I didn't really want to go to just to serve someone else. And that period did actually give me a little buzz because it meant that I was putting myself first. And whenever you do that, again, we've talked about this in the past, you're valuing yourself and you're standing up for for something you want in your life does have an impact on your self-confidence and your self-esteem. I think putting myself first and actually stepping back and thinking about when I'm Faced with a decision about saying yes or no to someone, I'll be thinking about: Does is this aligning with what I want to do? Is it something that will serve me first and foremost? I'm not talking about never helping anyone out and just doing things that are selfishly for me. But if someone is genuinely needing help, or there's something I can offer to support, and I have the time and the space to do it, then of course I I will choose and make that decision in that moment but yeah I, I'm i not saying not to help but it's got to be something that is is valuable to me too and it's about being clear about what your priorities are before you even get to that stage and, and know what's important in your life and like I said when you you're working towards your own goals and dreams like your self-confidence does grow and that judgment and decision making process I think does improve over time and I had that epiphany moment back in December and it has helped me um, shape some of my decisions about what what, I, what I'm what i willing to do and what I'm willing to say yes to for me practicing saying no as a thing as well I just think that once you've said it a couple of times and you've you've taken not dived in and said yes straight away I'm very quick to do that just to sort of get the situation out of my hair in the moment as I, I, it's worth just saying do you know what I just need to think about it I'll get back to you and let you know when I know whether I can do this, or whether I want to go there, or whether I, I want to take part in that project at work, or whatever it is that you're having to say yes or no to. Seems crazy, I know, but practicing actually saying the word, looking in the mirror and saying it can be a help as well. And I found that I was sugarcoating my notes when I did this, because I, I'm really, or I'm not sure, perhaps, or maybe I could. And so it was weakening the boundaries that I was setting up around the no. So they'll see some some space there to dive in if it's something that you really don't want to do like going to help clean out your friend's garage or your loft or something if you say I'm really not sure perhaps maybe it gives them a a, a, a way in to try and persuade you otherwise so saying it directly and clearly you'd have to be angry or nasty but don't leave any room for interpretation that there's an open space for that no and also it's just being polite with it, isn't it? And there's a difference between being nice because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings and just being polite when you're saying no. And yeah, I don't know. And like I said, one of the big things is I was providing and giving meaningless reasons for, for saying no. So I'm sorry, but, and putting that but in there. So you, why do we apologise for something we know is not right, we don't want to do, or I'd make up meaningless excuses I'm talking about like this, like it's in the past tense, like I've completely got over this saying no, but I'm a work in progress in lots of areas as I've said before, and this is definitely working progress for me, just this week, my neighbours asked me to meet in the garden area where I live for drinks, hopefully no, not one of them will be listening, but I made an excuse that I got a really early start for work the next morning, and I just couldn't meet for drinks, where I should have just said, you know what, I don't fancy it, I don't want to come out and talk tonight, I'm I'm happy being in by myself, so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, as I said, I, I've got to start practising what I preach here, and do some of this learning as we go on, so yeah, meaningless reasons, meaningless excuses. It's okay to just say no. And I think sometimes as well, another thing that I have to learn to do is ask for more details. And when it's unclear about what somebody somebody actually wants me to do. And that happened with one of my neighbours again, and she wanted me to sort out her a mobile phone. And it was a, um, an Android phone, which I'm, I'm all Apple devices. I don't know much about Android phones. And What do you actually want me to do with it rather than take it all on and spend three hours trying to sort something out that I don't, why would I want to learn to do that when it's going to be no benefit or no value to me? Um, So yeah, it's thinking about what what do you actually need of me in that moment? What do you need me to do the phone? If it's to download an app that's going to take me five ten minutes, I'll do it. But to actually give you you full lessons on how to use a phone when I don't know how to, yeah clarifying why do they need me to do it when what's the priority what happens if if I we just postpone it or do it another time and can anyone else do it is there someone else that's already got that phone that can help you and it's it's very easy to get swayed and yeah I'm guilty of that as well because then I'll walk away and think oh I should have really done that but it's people demand things from us so insistently that it can be persistent as well that you you have to sort of take a step back and hold our position of we've said no, the boundary is there and it's okay to claim that for ourselves. And I think sometimes we do feel like being selfish is being mean and sometimes we only have the time and energy to do the things that we need to do and the priorities to reach our goals and to live our lives the best that we can and that's okay and it's it's not being mean, it's in time, I think this will get easier, I'm hoping, and just yeah it's it's we're just focused it's, it's not that we don't care, it's focusing on the priorities, the people, the things that matter to you, and that relates a lot to saying no to extra work, and so many people have spoken to me about working from home and the expectations on employers of the hours and doing meetings randomly at random times of the day. Um, around the family life and around the home life even don't even have to have a family at home to be working too hard and that can be really hard to say no to especially in the moment where people are concerned about jobs and job security so people do or employers bosses managers often try to take advantage so it's just focusing on what's important to you at that time and the more that you do say no to someone, the more space you've got to say yes to other things. Like If you say no to your manager for that after hours meeting, you've got a chance to say yes to maybe meeting up with your, your neighbours if you wanted to in the garden or just having a binge on Netflix if you wanted to to catch up with your series. So I think it, it's a life changer, isn't it? Learning to say no. And it's something that we grow up with, the inability to say no. So it is a, it's a hard one to change, but it's it's a, it's a real life changer because we're regaining control in our life, we're creating space, like I said, to work towards our own goals and dreams and if we don't, then we'll continue to live a life dictated by the things that are not that important to us. So that's my thoughts about saying no give it a practice and yeah don't say no to me though if I ask you to do anything or to come out or please I I can handle it yeah I'd rather you do what you wanted to do but like I said at the very start of the podcast one thing I will say no to and it's not just people it's things and saying no to the the narrative that's being driven at the moment the narrative of fear say no to that for sure but it could be just saying no I'm not accepting that like the morning shows I won't accept those first thing in the morning it's too shouty too argumentative for me first thing in the morning it's not zen enough I need to get in the zone and I don't want that to influence the start of my day so that's something else I'm saying no to it can be even innate objects like food I'm you're saying no to bad food or you're saying no to alcohol this week it's just about having a bit more control isn't it over our lives and which directions we're going in so yeah interesting I'd love to hear your thoughts about how you deal with saying no, and if you've got any hacks on this, then please do get in touch. You can email me, Craig, at com. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at iamcraigstory. Now, there's one invitation that I want you to say yes to. Please don't say no to joining me around the table again next week. I'll be here waiting for you. Invite your friends along if you want to. You can share the podcast with them if you think there's anything that we've talked about today that would be of benefit to them and they'd enjoy it. The more the merrier. Everyone's welcome around this table. I'll chat with you next week. Until then, keep talking. Goodbye.